seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Live Radio Contact. Welcome to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Pax and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we have Paul Whiteside. Right, Paul? Hey, Rob. You okay, mate? Yeah, I tell you, I always ask you how your week's been. I've had a mad busy week this week with me wife, opening a new vintage tea room. It's been all go. I'm knackered. Been running around like a lunatic all week. Yeah, you're, uh, you're a busy man, aren't you, Rob? Yeah, especially with the radio as well, Sports Zone, Bobby's Magic Music Hour. It's just all go, mate. First chance we've had sit down and talk about us all for devils I've not yeah we've not really had a proper chat we, um, we did radio last night but um, I, I stayed on the line after I spoke to you and waiting for you to say hi to me and you never came back so I, I hung up in the end after about 10 minutes but I uh, know we've uh, yeah we've had a busy few weeks haven't we really yeah loads going on how's, how's your week been busy yeah really busy mate tonight's the earliest I've got home for a while actually so uh, so yeah busy time but um, I've got a bit of time off now I'm not I'm off work now until next Thursday. So I've got like six days off now, so I'm looking forward to a little trip to uh, to London on on Saturday. So uh, so yeah, it'd be nice to uh, recharge my batteries. Yeah, we'll always find time to talk about us all Red Devils, though, won't we? Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's always time to get to the match and things yeah. like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's loads going on in this week's show. We're going to review the the game against Leeds, the, the defeat there. Interviews with Craig Copjack and Daniel Murray. We've got Ian Watson in coaches gone. We've got your amateur report. We've got the Player of the Year nominees, our Player of the Year nominees, uh, which you can vote on our poll, uh, which we'll put out in the uh, the next couple of hours. We've got the preview of the London game, uh, so lots to look forward to. Paul. Yeah, certainly, yeah, it's, it sounds a packed show there, Rob. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to see who our nominations are for the uh, for the Player of the Year. That should be uh, should be exciting. Yeah. So what we'll do, we'll start off with the defeat against Leeds Rhinos uh, last Friday. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your big match review. So, Sobra Devils unfortunately tasted defeat for the first time in the Super 8 qualifiers. They were defeated 18 points to 16, Paul. Ian Watson not very happy with the referee's performance in the dying seconds of that game. Uh, it can be a frustration uh, for him, especially after the, uh, the good form we've been in. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, if we'd have won that game, we'd have had ten points, and it'd have been uh, we'd have been done and dusted now, wouldn't we? And, and, and secured our survival for next season. And I think, you know, we, I wasn't expecting uh, what o to, to say what he did in the in the press. Conference. I thought it might be a bit miffed, but you know, he really come out all guns blazing. Really. And the poor fellow who was sat in the front row of the press conference asking him a couple of questions. I think it was BBC Radio Leeds, and <laughs> what were really give it to him didn't he and as if uh, he was the referee so but you can understand where he's coming from it, it was um, it, it was a game I thought we didn't 
we didn't play as well as we have done in recent weeks. I thought we lacked a bit of composure and sort of got dragged into the arm wrestle by Leeds a bit, really. And I think we deserved at least a point. And that that penalty at the end, I've watched it over and over again, and I, th- I thought it was a really, really poor decision. And uh, we seem to have been on the end of quite a few of them at Headingley, especially the, the league game last season where we we lost and it was the pass was a bit iffy and a bit of a forward pass. So, uh, so yeah, we've had the rough end of the stick there a few times, I think. And, uh, and yeah, I totally understood where Ian came from because I thought James Child... Um, no, I'm not one for blaming referees. I don't, I don't think it was referees' fault that we, we lost the game. I think it was our lack of composure and, and lack of self-belief. I think at times in that game, uh, but yeah, it was a definitely an iffy decision. Yeah, we're, look, we're looking at both sort of decisions. Uh, luckily, obviously, the club uh, during Ian Watson's press conference put out the video, didn't they, of the of the uh, the Rob Louis incident and you know being held up over the line and you know it was quite. I think I think it was you know the decision was iffy. But in that situation, Paul, you've got your box play with a cool head, and if, if we run at the marker there, he's out of position, we get the two <coughs> points. I know it's difficult in that situation because the adrenaline's going and, and we're going for the line. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes you've got to play with your head sometimes, and, and at that point, I don't think we did. Yeah, we should have moved the ball and dropped a goal, Rob. Um, I think there was a couple of sets in that, that, that so a couple of tackles in that set there where we, we wasted it, really, and we snatched a, 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 the, a, the chance, and I thought we panicked a bit. We, um, you've got, like I said, you've got to be composed at those sort of situations, aren't you? Big game players, that's where you need them to come to the fore. And perhaps we've not got that sort of experience in them tight games, how to, how to snatch it. And I think we did a couple of times last season. We beat Cass at home by a point, and when we had Gareth O'Brien there dropping the goal, and we could have done with someone like him on uh, last Friday. You know, I think we just lacked that. There, we missed. Obviously, we didn't have Jackson Hastings playing there. No disrespect to Josh Wood. I don't think Josh is really a scrum half. I don't think he has that sort of creativity. And he gave his gave his all on, on Friday night. He was fantastic in defence, but we did miss, you know, the Jackson Hastings influence. So, uh, so yeah, it, it was very disappointing, especially to go to Leeds as well and come so close to getting something out of the game, a, a ground where we never really get anything, and we've had a really barren run over the last forty odd years, and to come that close, I think that's what there's the gut wrenching things. But it was for me anyway at full time. I felt. Sick at the end when the U two went, but uh, you know another great effort, but wasn't to be. Yeah, I think it was the, it was the frustration of, of not getting the drop goal and then giving away a, a silly penalty to get Leeds coming up the field. And at that point, you know you know what's coming, don't you, Paul? That Leeds are on the march and there's seconds to go, and they're going for the drop goal, and everyone knows it. And that, you know in that situation, the, the players have got to try and force an error, which is what they did in a way. Unfortunately, James Child read it as in a penalty to to Leeds rather than a knock on against them. Yeah, sometimes I, I hate stuff like that though when a referee calls a, a penalty like that. I think it's a really harsh thing to do. And I mean, you see it sometimes on the Sky games and that referee knows there that he's costing that team the game there. And I think to make a decision like that and give a penalty, I think you've got to be 100% sure. And was James Child 100% sure? Because I've watched that a few times. I thought it was a very soft penalty. I thought Richie Mayer lost the ball in the tackle. And, you know, it's it's just one of those decisions. We never seem to get decisions like that. I can't remember the last time we went to Leeds and got out of jail and got a, a soft penalty. I don't think we ever have done, but it's frustrating. It is frustrating, Rob, but what can you do? It's fish and chip paper, as they say. Now the game's gone. We've just got to go to London now and, and make sure we do the business there because my only fear now is if we go to London and, and get turned over there because you know, they're, they're the side who are going for it. If you look at the table now, they need to win London. They're desperate for, for points now. If they're going to try and get into the million-pound game, so they're going to be all good blazing on Saturday. And if they're to turn us over, then the Toulouse game becomes a pressure game that we have to win. And that's been moved to Thursday night and has that disrupted us a bit. So what we want to do now is make sure we switched on, win that London game, and make sure we're guaranteed.
guaranteed uh, Super League next season. Yeah, you know, personally, I thought live, you know, I thought it was a penalty, and I had a better view than everyone else because I was on that side of the field. Um, personally, I thought it was for Lucic for the high for the high shot, but the referee called it as uh, sort of a three men in a tackle with Top Jack dislodging the ball, and you know, we unfortunately where the TV camera is, you can't see. You know, the lead player in the way in it block, blocking your view of the, the actual tackle so we're not sure you know, what happened there really but it's, it's like you say it swings and roundabouts the frustrate, after frustrating part Paul that you know, we, were, we were on our, on the verge of you know, beating Leeds for the first time um, you know, twice in a season in a long long time and then unfortunately Leeds do what Leeds Rhinos do and top clubs do they find a way to win which is what they did unfortunately but we've got to learn from that and I'm sure the yeah. players will and so William Watson yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember yeah, when you said that at the end of the game. My dad was stood there when he said about it being a penalty. I thought he was going to grab you. <laughs> he went absolutely mad. But, um, no, it, yeah, it's, to be honest with you, I thought the first penalty was a really soft one that we give away. I think it was for not square marker or offside. It was one of the two. And that was a really dumb penalty to give away because what that did was it gave Leeds the, the sort of piggyback down the field then and give them attacking opportunity. If we hadn't give that a penalty away, they'd have probably turned the ball over on the halfway line, and then we'd have had another shot at going, perhaps driving to the post to drop a goal. So it's just little things like that, and it's like it comes back to composure again, doesn't it? Because we'd done all the hard work there. We got back into the game. We scored through Darrell Alfords. We Ed Chamberlain kicked a fantastic kick off the touchline to level the scores at 16 apiece. And to me then, we were the team in the ascendancy. We had the chance to go down the other end and drop a goal, and I think we took a few wrong options. We should have got over the line there, especially when um, Jansen Turgut went through. You know, if they'd been somewhere near backing him up, it would have been uh, game over. We just lacked that sort of killer instinct for me in the uh, the closing stages. Yeah, I suppose you learn from that, don't you, Paul? You know what I mean? It, it's we're kind of building as a team uh, for me, and you know, games like that at Headley, we spoke to Daniel Murray after the game, and Daniel Murray was saying, "Look, yeah, it happened. We know where we went wrong, and we're going to fix it up for next week." And that, that's a kind of positive message that was coming out after the game which really you know, gave me a bit of a warm glow inside that the boys know what went wrong and they can fix it up against London yeah well let's hope so yeah the proof will be in the uh, in the test this uh, this Saturday won't it we need to make sure we get that result because London are no mugs are they as we'll speak about after they've got some useful players and I think they've been unlucky they was really unlucky at Old Kingston Rovers on um, on the weekend just gone that was a really tight game it was 20 points to 18 that I was listening to it on the radio and I think there was about 10 minutes to go really tight game could have gone either way okay I got a couple of late tries and, and won the game but the the both our two remaining games to lose and London they're going to be really tough tests you know to lose a have done well in these qualifiers. They've had a couple of close scores. They were beaten by a point in Toronto, and that that was a game that could have gone either way again. So there has been some real twists in this this qualifiers uh, campaign so far. So, but like like Daniel Murray said, and like Copy said, the, the the players are going to be switched on now to to go to London and and do the business. It's a tough away. It's a long drive in it down there, long away trip. But uh, I'm sure the players will be professional and uh, they'll get the job done. Yeah, talking about Daniel Murray and Craig Cox. Here they are after the game talking to me. About Lee's defeat. So I'm joined by Dan Murray. Tough defeat, that. Yeah, it's take, but uh, we've reflected and we need to learn from experiences to make ourselves a better team. Yeah, obviously, games like that, it's, yeah. it's full of intensity, full of uh, action. Mm. You know, it was a tough, tough game, both on, yeah. you know, off the field and on the field. Yeah, we all said it was a game for the taking and just about being smart in uh, key areas and... We, we've admitted that we, we, we lacked in there and uh, personally I lacked in uh, a few areas and I'll fix up next week and hopefully get back in and fix it and make it right. That's so obviously first time you've kind of played in these, these yeah. kind of games. Yeah. You know, what's the intensity like? 
or something you can't you can't compare it to anything it's a, it's a completely different intensity because there's a lot more on the line playing for your job really aren't you in these qualifiers so yeah I can't compare it to anything yeah London next week yeah. opportunity to uh, put things right yeah 100% that's that's the net we just go on to the next one and hopefully you know get that win and Secure the status. Cheers, big thanks. Talk to us in the demo detail. Cheers, mate. So I'm joined by Craig Copjack. Tough defeat, that. Yeah, it was tough. Um, probably not the best game, a bit scrappy. Um, but you know, we we're going to just put ourselves together now, patch up and go again. Yeah, a lot of pressure on our line in that first half. Oh, the yeah. boys stood up and, you know, defensively we're sound. Yeah, credit to the boys on that. Um, you know, we stood up well in patches, but again, we shouldn't have been, you know, in them kind of situations. Um, we didn't really get a foothold of the game and. Know, put pressure on Leeds but when we did it, um, we scored and we got we got points but you know we just didn't do it enough yeah obviously super qualifiers rugby high intensity yeah. both sides you know playing for you know like careers really uh, but you you know putting big efforts there and that's what us fans ask for yeah that's it I mean we put 110% in tonight I mean you could see that um, a lot of pressure in the game like you say and you know, unfortunately tonight we didn't come away with a win, but um, you know we brush ourselves down and go, we go again. You know. Yeah, London next week, opportunity yeah. to put things right. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Yeah. So that was Daniel Murray and Craig Copjack talking to me after the game, Paul. And you know, like you said, both know where, know what went wrong, and know they can fix it up for the London game. Yeah, that's what it's all about. You've not got to uh, got to dwell on that. Obviously, it's disappointing, and it's for the supporters. You know, a lot of supporters haven't have never seen us win it. Edinburgh have this, so it's um, it's one of those stadiums with records absolutely abysmal, and you just like to think you'd see them win there in your lifetime. I suppose we've had a few close ones. You know, the the thirty nine, thirty eight in two thousand and two. Uh, had a couple of sort of six point defeats, four point defeats recently in recent years, and obviously that one there where we came close. So. That's disappointing sometimes for supporters, and I know with us winning that game, we'd have been top of the. Well, we're still top anyway, but we'd have been five out of five, and we'd have been guaranteed Super League for next season. I mean, if you look at the the qualifiers table now, really, realistically, looking at the other fixtures, we should be safe anyway because of the points difference that we've got, providing we don't get stuffed in our last two games. So, obviously, we're not going to take that. We need another win, but that win against Leeds would have guaranteed it as now. So we've just got to make sure we keep our keep our heads and. You know, go and win these last two games. I think I think finishing top of that qualifiers would be a bit of a moral victory for, for Ian Watson and the squad. Yeah, talk about keeping your head. Ian Watson certainly, you know, had a bit of a wobble in the in the press conference uh, after the game, Paul. And you know, I think rightly so. His, his frustration, he he masterminded this, and to be robbed uh, of the victory by James Charles was a bit of a sickness for him, wasn't it? It was. It was. But I admire Ian Watson so much. Um, his passion is, is amazing. I mean, you can see some coaches and all right, they'll be coach of a club, but they don't really, excuse me, they don't really have um, an identity with that with that club. But with Ian, he, he played for us in, in two spells. You know, he's um, he's a local guy as well, and, and the club means something to him, and he hurts. I mean, I said to him on Friday night about the the game last year at Leeds, and we were having the same conversation. We've had two years running. We was really angry that game because of the, the forward pass incident, and then to be to be sort of robbed twice. It was it was hard for him to take, and um, you know it, it just shows you how much he cares about this side and this group of players and this club, our club. So um, you can't knock that. You can't knock that at all. And I know some people say, well, he shouldn't be moaning, he shouldn't be saying this, but I admire that in a coach, a coach who cares. I think we're going to have got a coach like Sean Wayne. He's another one. He'll he'll whinge about everything and he'll want the best for his side. And I'm not saying we want some moans about everything because he doesn't. Far from it. But um, I don't think you can take that passion away from him, and I, I wouldn't want to either. Yeah, passion's good. I think everyone likes passion, all the players and, and fans. <clears throat> so, 
considering the circumstances he finds himself in, he's done a wonderful job at Salford, and he's seen us in this Super 8 qualifiers. I reckon he must have planned on a on a clean sweep and get that taken away from him. That's probably why he was so angry. Yeah, I think so, because they pour a lot into that game. As I said before, I don't think it's our best performance. I think there was patches in that game where, particularly with the ball in hand, I thought it was quite poor. Defensive-wise, you know, in that first half alone, the amount of tackling we did on our own line, I think, was, was superb. And I think they had set after set at one stage where we made a couple of mistakes and um, they got repeat sets and, and, and our defence has really stood up. It has in the qualifiers, Robbie. You know, every week we've we've defended well. We've got the best defence in it, I think, if uh, my memory serves me right. So um, our defence has proved tenfold since that Catalan away game. And he, Ian Watson's prided himself on that. And, you know, he's a winner, and he wants to win every week. And, you know, he doesn't want to see us lose. And when you put so much in there and to come so close, I think maybe a draw, we'd have settled for that. They've done both teams, really. But, but yeah, you can understand his frustrations. And sometimes I think people forget that the guys, they come off the pitch, they go in the change rooms and they're straight into that press conference, aren't they? And you're speaking to someone there who's just sort of debriefed his players. Emotions are running high. And um, I think uh, you can't want that bit of passion coming out of what oh, I was. Uh, I was pleased with what he said on, uh, on on Friday night. Yeah, and this is what I said to you, Paul, uh, after the press conference. Coach's corner. To be there, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the boys did exactly what we kind of asked of them tonight, and to come to Leeds, we know it's a tough place, and we knew we had to kind of grind the win out, but decision at the back end of the game where um, Rob Lewis collects the kick um, Jansen goes over to, to well not to score but would have scored you had three markers you had all the middles all offside and you watch it again and you watch it on the widescreen there and it's, it's a bad call and it, there's a decision that's decided the game because you're all well and good giving a penalty underneath our post but to give a, to not give a penalty which is a blatant penalty underneath their post I think it's a little bit extreme to me just going back to that first half, it was nip and tuck really, you had to do an yeah. awful lot of defending. You must yeah. be proud of the way the lads defended. I think there were seven sets of six oh, there at one, at yeah. one stage when Durrell, I think, knocked on. There was a few yeah. errors. We put pressure on ourselves in that game, but we did work hard, didn't we? Yeah, we gave a couple of penalties coming out of yardage, which then on the back of the error with um, Durrell out of yardage, we had to defend a lot of goal line sets, and I thought the boys did it really, really well. Uh, they came up with some good reads and shut them down and um, backed themselves to to defend the goal line and I think they would have deserved the result on the on the back of the way they defended so we're going to get the scores back to 10 apiece did you think in times in that game we lacked a bit of composure sometimes a couple of drop goal attempts we went for do you think it was a lack of that sometimes in the game uh, it, the, the high pressure kind of situations um, I thought we were patient overall in the game we just needed to we came close a few times well Ed, Ed Chamberlain almost scored didn't he and yeah it was, uh, two gets break through his elder over the line and Jansen yeah. looked really good on his debut, must admit. Yeah, it's, it's just taking the opportunities that arise, and yeah, there's a couple that we didn't take, but again, there was a couple that they didn't take, and it was probably more down to good defence than it was um, to kind of bad play, really. And you, you know, in games like that, you're going to have them nip and tuck moments. The key for us was staying in that and being patient and nice and composed. And I thought we did that really well, and I thought we would have deserved to win it at the back end with that penalty. Thinking back to the penalty at the end, there, I mean. I sometimes think that teams like Leeds I'm, I'm not being funny here but they do sort of get these decisions at home games do you think if the boot would have been on the other foot there AJ Bell Stadium we'd have got that penalty oh, I think so mate you won't get in trouble on my interview anyway yeah, but yeah. it's it's a difficult one it must be yeah. I mean it's heartbreaking for the supporters yeah. especially with the record that we have ahead yeah. of them as well to come so close to, to but, getting something out yeah, of the game well you look in the last couple of years now like you just said before that the forward pass one that, <laughs> that lost us a game here 
obviously that decision now has lost us a game there when there was a blatant offside and three markers. For you as a coach as well, they've been done and dusted really 10 yeah. points today. Yeah. You've got a difficult trip to London now next, yeah, next Sunday. Yeah. That's now a must-win game. Yeah, 100%. We've just got to regroup now and make sure that we, we attack that properly. What's the feeling on lads in the change room tonight? Do they feel like they're a bit hard done to? Oh, we, we're not spoke about that. We spoke about kind of how what we could control, which was our discipline coming out of yardage. We didn't defend yardage as well as what we had been doing. And that's about us getting our bodies in front and um, controlling the ruck speed. And I thought their try that Leeds scored before half-time where they went through um, through our middle of our ruck, I think that's showing it that it wasn't quite where it needed to be at points tonight. A couple of changes in personnel tonight. Junior South, is that an injury problem? Yep. Yeah, every, every every change that was made, mate, was um, injury. How's Lee Mossop? Because we thought he might be back this week. Yeah, um, see another week out. Yeah, he's calf. He tried running on captain's run day and wasn't right. So hopefully, hopefully we can get him right because I think we've lost Lama tonight. So. Big minutes from Josh Wood and Joey Lucic tonight. He started with four forwards on the bench. Yeah, you must be proud of the way they went. Yeah. Our forwards have been good and they step up against who we played, especially in these eights period here. Um, we just needed that little bit kind of more finesse, probably a little bit here today really to just finish off some of the chances that we did get. Well, thanks for speaking to me tonight. I know you're disappointed Ian, but best of luck against London next Sunday. Cheers mate. Cheers Paul. Coach's Corner. So that was you talking to Ian Watson, Paul, and like you say, it calmed down a little bit talking to you, but you can you can understand why he's frustrated. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, one thing we want as well, you can't pull the wool over his eyes. He 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 follows the game like through a microscope, if you like, because not a lot of people would have would have clocked on it. What Ian said about the set before, where there was three people at marker. How many people knew that? It took people like you know about three or four goals to have a look at the video and things like that. Ian's seen that in live time in the game. So it just shows you how he follows the game. And I mean, I've sat near him a few times as yourself this season and last season. And he, he, he follows every pass, every kick, every tackle. He knows exactly what's going on. So, uh, you know, you can't pull the wool over his eyes. And, you know, the, the poor lad who was asking him the questions, the guy from Lady O'Leese said before, um, he got both barrels from what from what all really did. And he said, we've been robbed. And, 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 I, and I agree with him to a certain extent. And, um, no, it was good. It was good to see him coming out fighting, and uh, I think he'll have had the lads in this week, and they'll they won't be resting up for London. And I think you'll see us come out all guns blazing on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I think the club obviously putting that video out as well to to uh, sort of explain the frustrations of it. Shot, you know, was a good thing. I think I think you know Adam Whiteside obviously put that in. You know, good shout for him. I think because people would have been talking about it, Paul, and would have been scratching around looking for you know video footage of it. So for the club to put it out. Jury and what's the press conference, you know, well done. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, there's always going to be topical points in here. You know, referees are always going to miss things, Robert, at the end of the day. You just want a bit of consistency from, but it, we, you can talk about referees until you're blue in the face. I think it's always been the same, hasn't it? You know, what, what decade you go through, referees get things wrong. And sometimes the teams, especially home size, you know, Leeds, Wigan, St. Helens, they seem to get the calls, don't they, in the 50 50 calls. I don't know whether that's just a human nature sort of thing you know a big crowd there that are saying no this is a forward pass that's a forward pass to the referee and it'll give the decision it shouldn't happen but I think it, it tends to do doesn't it so but yeah they, they, they put that out it's not going to change the result is it and I think we've just got to move on from it you know, it's a week ago now and uh, we've just got to get on with it now and make sure we uh, give Leeds a good pummeling next time we play them do you not think the sort of top clubs might get it because they kind of play a bit cleverer they, they, they kind of manipulate certain situations 
and, and put doubt in the referee's mind to give the decision for them? Um, I think, I might be controversial now, Rob, but I think I think rugby league sometimes can be a bit corrupt. I don't know, perhaps that's the wrong word, but I think there's a bit of a cartel sometimes in rugby league, isn't there, where you sort of Wiggins, you Saints, you Leeds. I think there is a bit of favouritism there and maybe Toronto as well. Now we look at some of the decisions they got against against Toulouse on um, on Saturday. I saw the one where he never grounded that ball in a million years, the, the wingman, did he? I mean, the ball was nowhere near him for downward pressure. So I don't know. Like I said before, when was the last time we got out of jail against Leeds? I mean, to be honest with you, I think back with all the years of watching Salford, I can't think of many times where I've walked out of a ground, whether it be at the Willows, or away, away somewhere at the AJ Bell or whatever, where I've walked out and said to my dad or whoever I'm with, God, we got out of jail there today. God, didn't we rob such a body today? I can never think of it. You know, we, we must have done. There must have been games where we, I mean, I don't know, but I can't think of many where I thought, bloody hell, we got out of jail there, didn't we? That was a, far, a mile forward, that pass. But One, I'll tell you when one was, Paul. Huddersfield uh, at home, uh, 1999. Lee Blakely kind of made a, still made a break, passed it to, the Blakely it came off his chest and kind of ricocheted off his hands and he kind of picked the ball that went round the fullback and scored and uh, they thought it was a knock on but they gave it as a, a try. Right. That the, that's the only one I'm thinking. That I think well, <coughs> that was a knock on and that was. I what? can remember. A, I can remember another one. Um, I think I was stood at the old scoreboard and yeah. you know under the old scoreboard in the corner and I think this was about 2001 something like that and Paul Lighton scored against London. <laughs> I'm sure he won 23 20. I think it was. And he knocked it on. Don't if he's listening, Paul, or he is the show. He'll probably say he didn't, but I'm sure he knocked the ball on. We got away. I remember walking out that day. Thinking, Bloody hell! Perhaps we did win. So there's one. But that's one in what twenty odd years. So yeah. yeah, we could do it. I mean, Leeds get one every week, don't they? So uh, we could do with uh, a few more of them. But yeah, I don't know. Perhaps perhaps the home sides do. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I suppose if you're a referee and you're at, you're at Wigan and you've got sort of fifteen thousand Wiganers there and maybe 200 Wakefield supporters or something, or Salford supporters or whatever, you're going to lean towards Wigan. I think it's human nature. I think that happens in football, doesn't it? People used to say, how many teams get penalties at Old Trafford? Mm. Um, I don't know. Perhaps that's just the way sport works, Rob. Um, well, I play a bit cleverer. I think an example yeah. would be, I remember one point, I think it, was, it might have been Leeds, and it might have been a game before, Joey Lusick had to play the ball. Right? <coughs> we, win, we win collision, whoever was playing the ball, playing the ball. And he plays the ball, and Lucic just throws it at the at the, the marker on the floor. And he's, he's no, there's no intention of him of him, you know, trying to avoid him. So the referee has to give a penalty because he's in the way. So then the Salford then get 30 yards, 40 yards up the field. Little things like that where people will switch on and think, if I do this, I get an advantage. And it's not cheating; it's just it's just bending the rules, isn't it? That's why. And then you know, Salford might go up the other end and score. You know what I mean? And, that, and that's little things like that that we don't do enough, I don't think, to get us in positions. To cause you know problems for other teams in crucial moments. Yeah, I, I mean, I've noticed a lot of teams do um, the the dummy half will throw his arms in the air, won't he? Yeah. A lot, you know, whinging for saying yeah. they're lying on. And we don't, we never seem to do that. I tell you, mm. who does that a lot? James Roby, yeah. Mickey Hyam, uh, you see them doing it. McLaurin, Catalan, the old Wigan hooker, that Parcel, he was doing it loads for Leeds on uh, Friday night. Our rockers never seem to do that. You know, Josh Wood's a very honest player. He just seems to get on with it. But sometimes, perhaps you've got to do, you've got to play the game, haven't you? You've got to, you've got to hold on in the tackle. You've got to lie. It makes me laugh sometimes. The supporters say, "Oh, they're offside." You know, get them onside and all that. It's the most daftest thing to say at a game. Every single team will lie offside. 
every single team will try and get an advantage, won't they? They'll coach it to them. You know, teams have like wrestling coaches now, don't they? Mm. I know Wigan, Wigan do, you know, where they'll hold them down, they'll turn them on the backs and things like that. Any team will do what they can to get that advantage, won't they? And, uh, you know, say your side never lies on side. It's daft. But you hear yeah, that grounds up, you especially when you've got Yorkshire, that's all these teams are shouting at. Yeah, but I, think, I suppose people know sort of what referees do, don't they? They know that they don't look whatever, whichever way, so they know they can, they can stand offside because they're never going to look. You know what I mean? It's a little thing, I, I, mm-hmm. I bet they, they must do that in video sessions. They must know that referees perform in certain ways. So they know this referee doesn't take us back, take them back full of 10, or this referee takes them back more than 10. So you, you've mm-hmm. got a bit more space to do stuff. And it, it, it's modern rugby league. It's, it's all about, you know, video, um, you know, Looking at the video, deciding you know, like, <coughs> play better, make it better for you in your situation, and you know you're hoping that we'll we'll get better at that because obviously, like you say, we don't want to get that many decisions, do we? Um, but you know, hopefully one day it'll turn. Do you think it's a time we got two referees over like doing the NRL? I'd say so. Yeah, I do. You know why? Because because one person looks at the rook and one person looks at the line, and there's no way you can sneak a yard if someone's looking at your line. Well, you watch. I, I've watched quite a few of the, the playoff games in Australia, especially the ones last weekend. And I was thinking to myself, if there was only one referee over there, that game is so fast yeah. and so clinical. Some of the play, you struggle. So perhaps if we're going to get to that that level that they've got over there, perhaps it's the way to go over it over here. Because I, I I do think their rook seems a lot cleaner than our rook is. They seem to roll away and get on with it, and the games are like you know, some people say it's a lot. It's robotic. I don't think it is. I think it's just cleaner. Um, obviously there's still some big hits in there but Rook seems a lot clean Dunn seems to be a lot of messing about the play of the ball and uh, you know, perhaps that's police because there's two referees there and you can't get away with as much yeah definitely definitely police obviously one of the referees job is to look at the Rook so there's no one going to be lying on or, or hanging on if someone's that's the one job they've got in that in that set is to make sure no one's hanging on and that's why I think like you say it's so quick because everyone's scared to death of holding anyone down because they'll get penalised won't they and you know how it yeah. works penalty penalty try you don't want to give too many penalties away do you so, no. you know, that's that's the bottom line. I think two referees would be would be definitely beneficial um, for the for the game, uh, and maybe a video referee every game. That could be another option. What do you think? I think that's got to be an option. And this is the discussion that I've had with my dad plenty of times. You've been on this discussion. I've been driving home from various games. I'm pretty sure my dad said on the way back from Leeds, did he, about the video refs at every game um, last week? And <coughs> excuse me, I'm losing my voice. It, I think I think you've you've got to do. It. I mean, I couldn't. I can't see. Football or any other sport saying, right, we'll, we'll have a video referee at the televised games, but all the others we're not going to bother. You, you can't, it seems an unfair advantage, really, doesn't it? If you're going to have it, have it you've got to have it every game because otherwise, it, you know, it doesn't really add up to me. I think if you're going to have a, a video referee, have it at all the games. To be honest with you, Rob, if it was left to me, I'd scrap it because I, I don't think, I don't think we need it. I don't know. I think. There's just as many grey areas and ones they get wrong and there's that much debate half the time with, with things like, especially the obstruction. The obstruction decisions has become a farce, I think, sometimes now. You know, you'll get dummy runners and you'll get the defenders just going, you know, tackling the dummy runner, you know, poor reads from a defender um, and they'll call it as obstruction. So I don't know whether it works or it doesn't, but if they're going to keep it, which they probably will do, because uh, you've invested money in it, is you've got to get it every game. I think even if you've not got a big screen, just make sure you've got a video referee there. Yeah, I, I say dummy runners another one, Paul. You know where they'll come, they'll come through the line, but just make a nuisance self just that little bit so it, defender has to check. You know what I mean? Little yeah. things like that. You know what I mean? It, it, that's what team other you know, teams do, don't they? It's all about gaining an advantage, and that's why you do that kind of thing. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, of course it is. But obviously, you know, talking about the video referees, right? For me, that would be worse if, you, if you, everyone has to have a screen then, I think, because you have to look at the screen to, to, to think it's a, a try or not. Because if suddenly you're all waiting and then the red light comes up, you think, well, what, what do you mean, no? Surely everyone has to have a, a screen there if you're having a video referee at every game. Just so you can use it no. yourself and see the decision. Otherwise, it could just be as bad as it is now, but just a red light. Because you're yeah. never going to be able to you know, watch the hi- you know, highlight again unless you buy a copy of the game and watch it back yourself but even then you're only going to see it once aren't you that's right yeah 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 it's um, I've always thought about the the forward pass one as well you can't go to the big screen for a forward pass can you but I'm not a massive fan of cricket and stuff like that but the other day I I just flicked my telly over and I was watching the the test match I think it was last week or whenever we played India in the test and um, I noticed them going to this referral thing for an LBW and I didn't know they could do that. And they put this, like, you've seen it, I mean, they put this computer-generated thing on where it shows where the ball w- would go um, if it had carried on in it, the stumps. And I thought, wow, how did they do that? It must be some sort of technology that says that's the way the ball would have gone and they can measure it and measure lines out and straight lines and curved lines and all that. So how come we can't go for forward passes then? Because surely the technology on the big screen now, space-age technology, would tell you whether the ball's gone in front of the man. Yeah, I, I don't. Know. I think in cricket, I think it's because they have different. Does he have different different senses in different? Yeah, it must be. Yeah. I suppose with forward passes, it's a moving. The only thing that's not moving is the pitch, isn't it? When I'm yeah, everything. Very clever the way it all works. Very clever. Yeah, it is brilliant, really. Um, but yeah, it does. It does. Be, you know, you know, swinging a bit. <coughs> but also, could you go back to the one about the Toronto um, Macy Kane Brown knocking on? I've yeah. seen that. Right, I still haven't seen it, which is a bit good about. So I've seen the picture, you know, of him of the ball leaving his hand. But do you remember Gareth Rayner against us for Hull? Yep. Uh, at the Willows, and he kind of at the like, North Stand then, yeah. Yeah, he, the ball, he kind of dropped the ball, but then put the ball down with his chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the crowd was given after a video referee looking at it, right? Yeah. There's another dodgy decision when it went against us. Was, that was on Sky. It was on Sky. Was it a bit like that? Because I haven't seen how it how it unfolded after. I've only seen the, fr- the freeze frame of the picture, so I don't know whether he grounds the ball as the hand hits the ball at the gr- at the same time as the ball hits the ground, or does the ball just bounce away? There's a big gap. No, there's a massive gap from what I saw of it between yeah. the the ball and the man. It, it reminds me of a try I saw years ago on an old video of my dad's Des Drummond, the old uh, Liam Warrington winger score. I think it was for Lee against Leeds, and he he bounces it down in the corner and. They didn't have big screens and that, then, but it reminded me a bit of that because there was a load of sort of room between the, the ball and the hand. It was like a sort of a bounce down, really. But no, it was. Um, and it, there was was there, was there no video referee at the Toronto game? I, 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 can't remember. I just I thought I'd get a video of it. I thought someone had shown me. I thought oh, I'd see a video of it, but I never I never that round looking at it. Yet. I was thinking maybe. Well, I believe it was a very dodgy decision anyway. So, mm. but there was also a lot of controversy in that game with. Um, the fella, um, Bussy is his name, Jack yeah. Bussy is he? He's got banned for, is it 10 matches for, for biting or something? So, no, that sounded a bit a bit strange. I did catch a, bit, a few of the highlights of that game. It was on Saturday night, wasn't it? I didn't. I only saw bits of it and my kids were running around, so I had the sound down, so I didn't really know what was going on. But it didn't sound, uh, didn't sound very good. That sounded a bit controversial. I know Toronto have had a bit of bad press, haven't they, recently? And uh, obviously with them coming to Salford, there was a bit of bad blood in that game, so... Is it really what the game wants at the moment? 
Mm. Is that a good question? Um, anyway, big thanks for your three-word match reports and uh, man of the matches. Uh, we've got a few. Um, Colin, Colin Wilson, uh, officiate, officiating defies belief. Uh, his man of the match was Tyrone McCarthy. Uh, Matt Gidry, uh, gutted, robbed, cheated. His man of the match was James Child. Uh, Andy Lancashire, we were robbed. Uh, his man of the match was Joey Lucic. I thought Joey Lucic played well on Friday. Full 80 minutes. Uh, cramping up at one point as well. Uh, he worked hard, I thought. Yeah, he did work hard. Yeah, it's it's tough to play to play eighty minutes there at, at Hooker against against Leeds. You know, got some big forwards there as well. You had to do a lot of work. I also thought Josh Wood did well, especially in defence. You know, really um, really tackle well. But yeah, Joey uh, put a really good shift in. Yeah, um, we've got uh, Ryan Ellaby robbed as usual. His man of the match was Ed Chamberlain. What about kicking them goals from the touchline? What amazing kicks they were! There's one that he missed in the first half, and that could have got us the victory, couldn't it? So uh, so come on, Ed. You know, pull them out of the bag, but no, you you, you can't whack it. These performances have been outstanding. I thought it was really good again against uh, against Leeds, and that that kick off the uh, the touchline from Daryl Alfords's try was a uh, was a belter. And when that went over at sixteen apiece, we seemed to have the uh, the momentum then, but it just wasn't to be. But no, another good performance from Med. Yeah, uh, Patrick Connolly blew it again. His man of the match was Lamatazzi. Uh, Salford Red robbed by Child. His man of the match was Chamberlain. Uh, but yeah, I suppose a bit robbed. Bit disappointed we didn't convert the chances. Uh, that kind of fifty-fifty that in in my eyes. Yeah, it was composure. I think the composure is the word I've used it loads tonight, and I think that was it. And it it was the attack for the, there was a few times I think Nia Levels chucked the ball out into the stand a few times. Anyway, he was looking for his for his winger and his his, his three quarters on that that far side where they're building that big stand. I noticed there was a few mistakes there from Nia. He didn't have his best game. Um, and there was a few people like that in attack where we looked a bit rusty and things didn't come off, did they? Um, you know, we wasn't as polished and you know the machine wasn't as oiled as it has been in, in recent weeks. And whether that's the Jackson Hastings influence with him with him missing, I think it was. I think if Jackson had played, I think we'd have won that game comfortably. I think we'd have converted a few of them on the chance. I'm not saying we're a one-man team or anything, but because we'd settled with Jackson and we'd had him in the last few weeks, we sort of got used to the way he played and he had took that pressure off Robert Lewis. I think Robert Lewis still played well against Leeds. I thought the one thing I can pinpoint from the Leeds game was the kicking game was poor. If you look back to the Hulkingston Rovers game in those wet conditions there, okay, um, at the start of the the eight kicking game there was immaculate, wasn't it? Everything we did was brilliant. Every kick, but headingly, I thought it was poor. There was a few daft options. We got caught with the ball a few times on the last tackle, didn't we? We tried to run it and just turn possession over. So. Composure, I've said it again. Composure, it's a lack of that, I think, for me. Yeah, I uh, thought Justin uh, Turgut played well on his first uh, pair. He's made a break. Uh, solid throughout, I thought he was pretty good. He looked quite useful, yeah. He had a bit of pace there and, uh, you know, something about him there. He made a break and, you know, if he had had somebody there backing him up in support, we'd have been over there for a try. So, uh, yeah, he looked a useful player and he's, he's back in the squad this week for, for London, I believe. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully see him back again in the side and... Uh, Playing for a contract because uh, he's not signed up for next season. Only a short-term deal, I believe. So, uh, so yeah, it was good to see him in the team. Yeah. So that's our review. Looking back at the uh, the game against Leeds on Friday night. Next up on the Devil in Detail, we'll look at all the news coming out of Salford Red Devils this week. Devil in Detail news. So news time, Paul. The big news of our fixtures, our last two fixtures of the uh, the season. Have been changed. We now play uh, London away on Saturday uh, and Toulouse at home on Thursday. Um, 
fixture chaos for fans. Unfortunately, having to, you know, people spending money on trains and hotels and having to change it all, it's a bit of a mess, really. It's a, it's a big mess, Rob. I mean, that fixture's been changed. What, dinner time Monday, something like that? I got my League Express Monday morning and the fixture's got there, Salford versus London on Sunday. So, it's, um, I think it's a joke, to be honest with you. You know, I think it's to do with Sky. That fixture's been changed because our game the week after has been brought forward to the Thursday from Sunday, which is another, it's ridiculous that, that because we're playing Toulouse there on a Sunday. It's our last game of the season. Your last game of the season, to me, should be like a bit of a carnival, shouldn't it? You know, some players might be leaving. You know, supporters saying goodbye to the players for the, for the end of the season. Now you're not going to see them for a while. So but it's always a bit of a celebration, isn't it? You know, players... I got Tommy Lee's socks a few years ago at the last game of the season. You know, players give the shorts away and the boots away and you know things like that and stay a bit later and do a bit of a lap of one around the pitch. That's that's all going to go out of the window now on a Thursday night. And you know, kids might not be able to get there because of school and it's just just wrong. I just think it's really wrong, Rob. The way that Sky have got this this monopoly now where they can just change fixtures. I mean, I know they pay the money and things like that, which is fair dues, but to to change two fixtures there at the drop of an hat and one four or five days before. When people have booked hotels, booked train tickets, you know, spent their hard-earned money there to, to go to London, and now to not, to not have anything to show for it, I think it's, I think it's a farce. I think it's just a joke, and they wonder why the crowd struggles sometimes in the sport, and and I think it's just things like this. I mean, if you look now, we play twenty-three rounds, and then a new, then a brand new fixture list comes out for for the seven fixtures in July. I mean, people like me who work shifts, I struggle like hell to swap things to get to those games, so. And then you're going to swap those games over. So it is difficult at the moment, isn't it? Because you never know, dear, when when games are going to be played. And I'm going to go on the train to London. And um, I didn't. I purposely didn't buy myself a ticket because I had a feeling it was going to get moved for Teller. Because I remember reading something in the paper about the last three games could be subject to change due to television. And I think you've always got that in the back of your mind, haven't you? And I just feel so sorry for the supporters who who've paid for stuff and uh, have really lost out and are out of pocket. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's gutting, but Sky, who, you know, who pays the, the piper, plays the tune, and, you know, Super League, Rugby League can't do without the Sky money, can they? And you can't, unfortunately, you have to kind of deal with, with what you've got, it's going to take the cash. You do, but I think there's there's got to be something where the clubs and, and Sky have got to work together and, and think about the bread and butter of the sport, because the bread and butter of the sport are the supporters who go to the games, not the people who watch it on Sky. You know, people don't turn up to the matches. The clubs are going to go under, aren't they? And as far as I can see, a lot of clubs don't seem to give a toss about the, their own supporters, and we all look after them because, like I said, we've not got that many fans, have we? And you know, for them to get treated like that, I think I'm not blaming the club. I don't think it's it's our fault. I mean, it's just this TV scheduling thing. But I think to, to do us twice, there we, we've not just had one game moved. We've had two moved in a really short space of time. And I've heard some people say on, on Twitter and Facebook and whatever, they can't go to either of the games because they're working on that Saturday now and they've got to do shifts on the first. So that's their season's done. So, no, I just think, I think it's something that needs looking at and hopefully now with the new structures next season, we're going to lose this this uh, this middle eight thing. So hopefully we're going to have a, have a fixture list that comes out at the start of the season, which everybody knows. And obviously there'll be playoff games and things like that where they're going to be short notice. But the way things are at the moment, you can only plan sort of half the season, can't you? And then it all starts again. So it's very difficult for supporters. Yeah, Ian Blees was on uh, BBC Radio Manchester uh, yesterday saying basically, you know, they knew it was coming. They tried to convince London uh, to, to, to change the, 
the fixtures, but the London wouldn't wouldn't do it for him. And obviously Sky then have, have come in over the top and, and sort of made him change it. But it's frustrating, I suppose. It's frustrating for everyone at our club as well, because you know people were instantly thinking that we we decided to change it, um, and it all ended up being that you know Sky, you know, decided they wanted a game on Thursday. Because obviously, if the fixtures don't run well for us and we get beat against London, it's all on for that to lose game. So they want the drama, don't they, on the TV? Definitely, yeah. That's the way we can yeah. do it, is just beat London and then it becomes a dead rubber. Really? Yeah, yeah. And they might move it back to Sunday then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's um, it's funny, I think, I, I've said to you before, I don't agree with these Thursday night games. I think, to me, it's just Sky Sports trying to fill up a, a, a slot, isn't it, and put something on on a Thursday night because we've got no football on. I think we need to, to try and knock that on the head. Is it time, perhaps it's time that the, the Rugby Football League and and Super League started renegotiating or get somebody else involved, you know, it's ITV or Channel 4 or 5 or whatever. I think the way the way Sky does it at the moment and has this monopoly over us, it, it's not healthy for the game, is it? The Thursday nights and I think Friday nights as well are a dead duck, really, for me. I think weekend games are the way to go, definitely, especially this, this time of the year now when, uh, when kids are at school. You know, summer holidays, it's not too bad, is it? But you know, Thursday nights... Uh, they're, they're difficult people work you've got schools and you know school runs to do and, and things like that people have busy lives nowadays especially with traffic and that you know 30, 40 years ago easier to get about wasn't it but nowadays especially where a lot of the grounds are situated you, you're struggling to get there aren't you so yeah I don't I, I don't agree with it but like I said before I just feel sorry for the people who, who paid for, for tickets for hotels and trains and they're, they're losing out yeah and obviously you know player welfare is an important thing as well you know Players need best in between games. I'm sure Ian Watson, you know, wasn't really happy about the the short turnaround, so that's why they probably moved it, uh, you know, the London game to give him half a chance against the losers to need it. Yeah, well, I heard somebody say that today about protocol. They've got to play. What did they say? No, you've got to play five. Is it five days between games? RFL protocol. I thought, well, how does that work at Easter then? Because you play Friday, Monday, at Easter, don't you? So yeah. unless that unless that's like a little. Rule on its own, Easter. I'm not too sure how it all works, but yeah, you can understand where they're, where they're coming from. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to wind up getting relegated, do we? Or end up in that that million pound game. So, so yeah, I just think it's a bit of a mess, and it's it's, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Sometimes these these sort of situations are, are unavoidable, but I don't know. I, I just I just feel sorry for those fans. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a pain for everybody, unfortunately, Paul. But you know, I suppose we've got to kind of learn from it, haven't we? Um, there's a lot of people thinking it was kind of a conspiracy against us. Um, do you think, think the RFL have got it in for us, Paul? Really? Um, <laughs> I don't think they I'll answer it. I don't think they do. I, I just think, unfortunately, we get, seem to get putting ourselves in a position where we just get the, 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 sort of the, back, the bad end of anything. In for, us in, in for us in what way? Well, you know, let's, say, let's remember the... Let's go back to the things that, that have happened you know, against us. Right. Remember, remember the game we played. Uh, we have to play it late because the because the because um, the AJ Bell wasn't wasn't available. Was it? We played Wakefield at Leeds, and everyone moaned about you know why. The last game of the season in yeah, uh, 2012. Yeah, because Wakefield were chasing the chasing the playoffs, I think, and we were. And they said we needed it on Sky, but the uh, you know the stadium wasn't available that day, so we had to go to to the to Lee to play. Right, but we don't own the stadium, so that's you know we've obviously made that decision down the line. But you know, because it's not our stadium, we have to decide when. You know, we we can only play when when it's available. And Sale were playing that day because it was like a 
like a league fixture for them in it, early on in their season. So it's been put in concrete, hasn't it? That you know we're going to play on that day and we have to move our fixture. Obviously, we're not that's what happens when you share a ground with somebody or you don't own the ground. You've not got the monopoly, then you've got to do as you're told, haven't you? So, so yeah, that's that one put to bed. Next yeah. one. <laughs> Go on, what's your next fear then? Next one. Well, I'm not, that's just one that's popped in my head. <coughs> um, you know, playing with 30, you know, 40 men on the pitch, we got done for that, didn't we, a couple of times. But, you know, at one time, that was that was a bit iffy. But like you say, I remember, I'm sure our man was kind of like injured at one side of the field, which kind of made so the other team, I think, was it Castle for two points, was it? Remember right? Yeah, it was. We won them. He obviously couldn't, down that, couldn't go down that side because he was, was lay injured. If you know what I mean, and that's why these these penalisers, didn't they? They just up to two points, didn't they? Yeah, because obviously you know it's one of them things you can't play with forty men on the pitch, can they? No, no, but I think some didn't somebody else do it and just got a fine. Yeah, but that, that might be a different circumstance. That we didn't see that one, did we? No. no. You know, we just we just putting two two separate occasions together where they might be two separate kind of like. Incidents that are different but are the same if you just put it in a black and white situation. Yeah, really, you shouldn't put yourself in that situation, should you, Rob? You've got to be a bit smarter, I think, sometimes. And I think you can have conspiracies, can't you? And so, you know, this, this, that, and the other, but let's just be a bit wiser and uh, beat them at their own game. So, always stay one step ahead. It's all about Paul, it's all about staying one step ahead. Uh, just like our Sulphur Devils under 19, uh, they've got the first fixtures. Uh, coming up, Paul. It's been a, you know, it's going to be good. I think for them, it's going to get a lot of experience. We've got a black team and a red team. Uh, over is it 30 p 30 players in in both, you know, in between the two squads. It's going to be a very interesting time. Yeah, it certainly is. It seems a long time now since they, since they played, and the universities are coming back soon as well. And I know I've missed doing them in the amateur report because it's been a bit bare without them. So, uh, so yeah, looking forward to seeing them play. And I'm hoping to get down to a few of the games this season. I think a lot of the games are Wednesday, aren't they? I uh, downloaded a fixture list the other day, so excuse me, I'm struggling with my voice tonight. <coughs> excuse me. So I'm hoping to get to a few of the games. Like I said, I downloaded a fixture list, so I'll try and work that around my shifts and get to a few of the games because I know Hopwood Hall are in um, the same league as well uh, in the Premier Division League as the, the, fir- the first uh, under-19 side. So uh, that'll be good, good to get to that derby between uh, those two sides. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I think obviously you know they are the future of our club, uh, Paul. Obviously, because you haven't got an academy set up yet, um, and you're hoping, obviously, you know, there could be a couple of lads in there that you know be able to break into the big time in a few years' time, maybe. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure there is. You, you've got, um, like I said before, we've got the good links with um, the colleges in the local area as well, and Hopwell in Rochdale's. We've done a bit of training there as well, and they've got a rugby league academy there, which is doing good. So it's up to us to, to find these gems now and you know, get a bit of a scouting network together and. Get down and, uh, and and see what see how they're going because there will be there'll be there'll be players there and, and there'll be talent there. It's just up to us to, to spot that talent and then and then nurture it as it comes through. Because don't forget some of these lads. Are, it's a massive step between where they are now to, to play sort of under twenty one, under nineteens, you know, first team rugby league. So it's uh, it's about spotting that talent and then uh, nurturing them through to the next level. Yeah, it's going to be super exciting. Hopefully, you know, Danny Barton and uh, Neil Blackburn will be you know coaching the boys and leading them on to. Uh, a successful season in uh, 2018. Uh, next up, uh, we've got uh, Perth Live Bricks at the uh, the Willows Wall in the uh, museum at the stadium, Paul. Uh, the supporters cost for selling them at £20 to raise money for the foundation. 
Um, you know, I think it's really good. I think it's great. You know, this wall is available to you know put your name on and put yourself in a you know in immortalised in history, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've seen uh, the what I want to put up in the museum, and it's um, very nostalgic. You know, the old um, with the old turnstile inside it there. So yeah, I'd advise anybody. I want to get myself one or my dad one if I can. Next time I'm down there, I think it'd be nice that to uh, have your names on there. And uh, and and yeah, the, the museum's really good. I'd advise anybody if you've not been up there to have a look at some cracking stuff up there, some old programs and trophies and shirts and you name it. It's all up there. Some, some great bits of memorabilia. So, uh, so yeah, get yourself on that. And you never know, it might eventually, when they fill it up and they need a bigger wall, they might move it onto a, you know, the, um, the gangway underneath the stadium or something. going to say, yeah, onto the concourse. That'd be mm-hmm. great, that, if you could get something like that. Yeah, it'd be uh, be nice to get some old photographs, wouldn't it, down, down there? It really mm-hmm. would. You could to a lot of grounds now. And well, was it Hull KR? Um, was it, is it the, which game was it now? There was that 1974 test photograph one that, that I was showing you at the old Garraway game and um, if you go to Lee I think there's the same they have a lot of old photographs don't they Wigan as well they have like a wall of old team pictures and things like that I think it all all adds to the home of your stadium and I know it's difficult when you don't own your stadium but perhaps it's something we can uh, we can look for in the future I suppose when you share it if we've got our pictures up sales will have pictures up and it's kind of like how do you feel about on your match day having a sale on the wall. We were there first, though. It doesn't matter. It really. You share the stadium. You've got to. You can't have one rule for one and one for the other. Can you? I know. I suppose so. It, it sort of annoys me sometimes. That stadium was was built for us, really, wasn't it? We we sort of planned that for years, and perhaps we've been a bit hijacked with it. But that's another story. Yeah, I, I think you know if you could find someone to run around and switch the switch the the pictures over. Well, that's a job for someone. And I remember putting up. Um, podcast posters to advertise a podcast early on, and I'd take down sale posters, and they'd and they'd take my down my posters down. And it was like a two-hour job running around the stadium, so it'd be somewhat it'd be a tough job for someone to do that, you know, in twenty-four hours period. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. But yeah, you know, it's, it's something to think about. And if you do, you reckon we should reckon we should get a brick? I think we should get a brick. A devil in the detail brick? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why not? So we'll start out. We'll that uh, next bit of news. Uh, Cadiz and Rhinos are holding at all the 35 Masters League. Uh, it's on Tuesdays. It kicks off at 6.30, Paul. Um, it's good for people like us who are over a certain age to keep fit and uh, gives us an opportunity to do that if you if you used to be a player. You're older than me. We're <laughs> <laughs> <Well, laughs> both over 35. I was but yeah, I'm only just over 35, but I don't think I could play uh, over 35 rugby or, or any sort of rugby at the moment. No, I was, I was <laughs> them days are gone. I was terrible at 17, so I'm going to be awful at 35, aren't I? You know what I mean? I know, is, is Dan on about making a comeback? I did oh, see I something from, from from Dan on social media. Yeah. And he said he's on about making a comeback. So Yeah, yeah, well, I heard that. It was half-back, he said he, he, said he was. <coughs> half-back, right? Anyone looking for a half-back, give Dan a call and he'll, uh, he'll lead you around the field. Like he, like he used to do. And hopefully he'll find a club and lead him to glory. Yeah, yeah, sounds good, that. And he could, I suppose, because he, he's done over 35, you know. Yeah, he's a bit younger than us, I think, isn't he? Maybe. Right now, no, is he, is he like early 30s? Because he was 30, was it not last year, the year before? Yeah, right, he's too young for this Masters League. Yeah, yeah I think he's a bit younger than us, isn't he? Yeah, he could, he could have gone there, you know, got a bit fit, put himself in a window. Got himself in the shop window. Yeah. 
He's too young. It's not. It's not going to happen for him. He's not a veteran yet, is he? <laughs> not a veteran yet. <laughs> um, next bit of news. Um, Salford Devil Foundation and Salford were, but Salford's big day out on Saturday at the uh, the Town Hall. Paul, lots of um, different um, you know things going on, uh, promoting the club and promoting what they do in the community. I think it's really good. I think we called, didn't we, a few weeks ago about getting out in the community a bit more and letting people know uh, that we're about. I know Jackson Hastings was with uh, a few of our amateur club kids. Uh, teaching them how to tackle and do things like that. And, you know, I think it's really good. I think the club are making a big effort now, aren't they, to, to, to get out in the community. I, I think that's an important thing. I think what it is now for me, Paul, it's consistency. You've got to kind of keep doing this for the next sort of three to five years to build that base. Um, so, yeah, doing great at the moment, but, you know, we need to keep it at this level. Yeah, of course you do, especially with your junior clubs as well. That, that's absolutely vital, that, to build the, the relationships and... Uh, and bridges with them, and there's there's plenty in the local area. And if we can keep working alongside them, and that uh, day out you was talking about, it looked really good. I saw some photographs from that. Swinton had a big presence there as well, didn't they? Down and the lion was there, I believe. So uh, I saw um, a couple of lads from the foundation had the, had the pictures took with it with the Swinton lion. So, uh, so that's great. That's really good. And uh, you know that's what people want to see, don't they? In the community, a presence in the community, and uh, it's about building that. Those bridges with you, with your local community as well. You know, people in Salford who, who don't go to the, the ground at the moment. You know, let's get them back on side and get them back interested again. So, so yeah, I, 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 the thing with Jackson Aces, I think that was great. You know, getting players to go to the uh, go to the, the trainer, the, the young kids, and that I think brilliant for them to, to see these the stars that they they're sort of idolising at the moment. Especially Jackson, he's come over and give us a, a massive lift and uh, on and off the field, and it's up to us to, to capitalise on that now. Yeah, it's, it's you know I think it's really good. I think the foundation, the club, you know need need a big round of applause for that. Um, hopefully they'll they'll keep it going. They'll keep it at the level of that now. And you know in you, I think you'll reap the benefit in kind of three to five years. It's just some clubs you, you kind of think three to five years is a bit of a long time in it. But you know from where we're coming from to where we need to be, it, it might take that long to get to get where we need to go. Yeah, it's, it's not something that, that can happen overnight, Rob, is it? You know, you, you've just got to keep working and, and chipping away at it. <coughs> sometimes people say these, we've got we've got a five-year plan or we've got a ten-year plan. I think, I think sometimes things take as long as they take, don't they? Mm. You can't set sort of, you know, we're going to do this in three years. you just got to keep chipping away and working hard and giving things your all and giving you, you know, all the commitment you can put in and, you know, get these ideas out there, get people, you know, come into the club with switched on business people and things like that, which is what the club are trying to do, I think. And, uh, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of what goes on at Salford day to day. And I like to think, um, you know, things are positive and, um, and and getting better each week by week. Yeah, no, and us fans are doing our bit as well. We've got us on the Sports Zone. We've got us doing this Devil in the Detail podcast. We've got me on Bobby's Magic Music on Radio Contact. You, you and your writing... Uh, and your blogs as well. We had Shirley and, and is it John Hawkins? They were on BBC Radio Manchester as well, um, talking about uh, you know this week's events and stuff. And you know we're doing our bit. Everyone's doing the bit, aren't they, to get the club out there and, and letting people know we're out and about. Yeah, I think so, Rob. Yeah, we we do our best, don't we? And um, you know um, we just uh, we just supporters at the end of the day, aren't we? Just trying to 
keep the, the name of the club going and, and publicise the club as best we can. And I, I try it and you do as well. Don't you shout from the rooftops, especially on, on, on the Facebook and things like that, that people are sick of us, really. I know we're a, lot of, a lot of my friends, that's all they see from me, is solve for this and solve for that. But, yeah, it plays a big part in your life, doesn't it? It's something that you're passionate about. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think you've got to have a passion in your life, haven't you? And we've got some passionate people who watch Salford. And I didn't hear Radio Manchester tonight, I believe... Um, we had a presence on there of supporters uh, sticking up for us like we do every other week. So, uh, so this, that's all good good news, that. Yeah, and I think also for us, personally, on the sports zone as well, we get to cover other teams, don't we, like Manchester Storm. And, you know, you, you get to see what they do and you think to yourself, can, can I do, can they do this at Salford? Is there is a way I can twist this to make it work for Salford as well? And that's what I do when, when we're talking to the, you know, the likes of uh, Dave Swanee and, and Ryan Finney, you know, you know, people at Manchester Storm club. Thinking they're doing this, can we do that to make our club better? And that's what it's all about, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the, the lad from, from Manchester, Ryan, you said there. Is, yeah, is Ryan it, Finity, yeah. Is it Ryan? Yeah, I've been very, very impressed with him when I've heard him last couple of weeks on the show. You know, he's so positive, isn't he? And is he is he that the coach and the owner? I think he's like a mixture of Ian Blee and um, Ian Watson. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very positive. His enthusiasm rubs off on you, though, doesn't it? The way the way he talks and. Um, you know, you hear some people sometimes at certain sports clubs and they're very dour, aren't they? And, you know, don't come across as very sort of charismatic, but that guy really did. And, you know, he sold it to me a bit. And I thought, well, I fancy going watching Manchester Storm, seeing what it's all about. I've never really watched a game of ice hockey, but I wouldn't mind going and, and, and finding out. And I think that's how you've got to do it these days. You've got to sell sell it to, to the public, haven't you? And, and be positive. And I think that's something we've perhaps been guilty of, of not doing in recent years I think we've put ourselves down a bit and said to people oh it's dead hard to get to here and this that and the other and, and you can you've got to be positive and tell people no we're, we're good we're doing something good here and you know you know, build that sort of feel good factor haven't you and that's something I think we've missed the boat on recently and uh, you know, we need to tell people now what the product we've got on the pitch look at the last four or five games we've played at home we've played really well haven't we it's been dead entertaining rugby and they've been real spectacles alright the crowds haven't been very good but well, people have missed a real treat, haven't we? Especially the the Leeds game and the, uh, the the Toronto game, and really exciting matches. So we have been playing a good brand of rugby, and let's tell people about it. Yeah, it's all about getting out there, Paul. And you know what? Left, we'll continue to do that, and our crowds will go and grow. Yeah, let's hope so, mate. Definitely. I mean, I think there's got to be a big push now for the season tickets. Definitely, you know, for next season. Whether we mentioned it the other week, didn't we, about making offers and making them a bit cheaper I don't know how that can work I'm not a finance expert but I think we've got to make do a real big push now I think the more season tickets you, you can sell the better so hopefully they'll have some sort of um, what's the word to use not gimmick but oh, yeah, some sort is. of uh, oh, yeah yeah. Oh, yeah I've got to be honest give it the right word so when you're trying to sell something you've got to, you've got to make it so you gain as in the club games yeah and yeah. the fans think they're going to gain and that, and that's, what, that's what marketing's all about it's all about selling yeah. I think we need to, to get some sort of bandwagon rolling, don't we? And yeah. It is. It's a feel-good factor, isn't it? If we, especially if we can come top of this this qualifiers thing and maybe make one or two signing exciting signings for next season. You know, Jackson Aces would be, be the key one. What yeah. you keeping hold of him if we if we could, and then um, you know, sell some season tickets on the back of him because he's box office. But obviously, that's that's you know we don't know what's going to going to happen with that. But uh, fingers crossed, something will come come about and we'll keep hold of him. But but yeah, I'd like to see a big push and um, I'd like to see a really positive close season really and, and, and really get everybody uh, excited for the new season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So lots going on. That's all the news 
coming out of Sovereign Devils this week. And next up on the Devils Eatle Paul, what we'll do, we'll talk about our, our Player of the Awards, uh, Player of the Year Awards uh, for 2018. So, Paul, Devil Detail Player of the Year 2018. Uh, lots of contenders uh, for the three awards we've got lined up. Yeah, I've not seen him yet, Rob, so you'll have to tell me who's who. All right, here we go then. Uh, so, we'll start with a young player of the year. Uh, nominations got Daniel Murray, Jake Bibbett, Josh Wood and Ryan Lannan. Paul, all of them played really, I think have had fantastic seasons. Um, Daniel Murray, you know, coming in from Warrington, uh, he's grown as the season's gone on for me uh, and he's well worth that uh, nomination for a young player of the year. Yeah, well, it's his second season now, Daniel, isn't it? He was uh, a youngster coming through last season. Wasn't he's in his second year, I think he's, he's progressed, really, hasn't he? And, uh, and done really well. Yeah, and obviously, Jake Bibby, top try scorer on the wing. You know, he's playing fantastic as well, so he's he's definitely a contender. He has. He's still top scorer, Jake Bibby. Hmm. I thought he was top scorer. He's yes, 11. Yeah, him and Nile levels are up there, aren't they? I think. But yeah, I think he's done well. He's when he when he's played this season. Jake, he's he's missed a couple of games recently, but I think he's really been solid. He's he's made a lot of progress. He's a, he's a good defender as well, very solid in defence, and he's he's definitely a good shout for uh, for a young player. Yeah, Josh Wood, you know, unsung hero for me. Always filling in at hooker or or at scrum half. You know, had a lot of pressure on him, I suppose. Obviously, you know, as the season's gone on, and he's he's certainly delivered. I'll tell you another award if we if there was an award for it, I don't know whether there is for uh, most improved player I think Josh would get that for me I think he's uh, he's really come on this he really has he's for the size of him some of the hits he puts in on blokes who are a lot bigger than him he's um, he's one of the best defenders at the club uh, very very hard worker as well and a guy who's who's got a bit of a kicking game I think as well if he can work on that um yeah, I've been very, very impressed with, with with Josh Wood this season. Yeah, and then they've got Ryan Lannan, um, who's you know really developed. I thought this this season, great turn of pace, you know, good strength as well. Um, you know, I, I think he's a contender for the young player. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Lannan's a, a, a talent. Um, is he going to be at Salford next season? I don't know that it's been announced. Whether he's he's leader was rumours of him, him going, so um, I don't know whether that's been finalised or what I'm not too sure but it'd be a shame to, to see him go if he does go because he's a guy that's sort of come through the, the system really hasn't he and we've watched him progress into a, into a good player now he's, he's got a couple of tries recently as well he's uh, a bit of pace about him and um, I think he's a clever clever player as well he's not just an head down sort of forward is he? he's, uh, he's got a bit of um, bit of character about him and a good pair of feet on him as well and a, a bit of a rugby brain yeah so that's like I said the young player, the nom- young player of the year uh, nominees: Daniel Murray, Jake Bibby, Josh Wood, and Ryan Lannan. Uh, next award we've got is the best newcomer award um, for 2018. I've got uh, Ed Chamberlain, Joey Lusick, Ben Nakambuai, Jack Littlejohn, Jackson Hastings, Daryl Alfords, and Greg Burke. Paul, oh. there's been quite a few newcomers there, haven't there? Mm. Right with Ed Chamberlain, um, I-, I think this guy, you know, has been a- has been a-, a steal for us. In, in, yeah. In great. He's kicking goals. He's, he's making big moments in games. Uh, you know, crucial moments. He comes up with a big play. Uh, Lund, um, Okiara away when he tackles the, the the ankle taps the winger and makes him split the ball. If the winger goes away, he scores there, and that's the complex of the game. 
Uh, that's that's how big a, a moment that was uh, for me. Obviously, there'll be other people in this in this award, you know, this uh, category who who are getting bigger bigger press than him. But for me, he, he must be a, a, a contender for this award. Yeah, definitely. He's got a touch of um, class about him as well, hasn't he, Chamberlain? Very quick player as well. You know, a lot of pace, and um, and his goal kicking is another string to his bow. So, yeah, I mean, he's not played you know, a stack of games, has he? But the games he has played, I think he's been excellent. He's not let us down at all, and rightfully up for the award, I think. Yeah, we got Joey Lusick um, coming on a short short term deal uh, for us. Um, played really well. I thought he's, he's definitely a sort of firm power. Sort of middle, uh, he's definitely quicker around the player ball than we're used to, uh, and he's, he's certainly uh, you know took us up a level in that area. Yeah, I've been very impressed with Joey. I think he's a player that's going to uh, going to grow into it as well. And don't forget, he's coming to a new side and he's learning all the time as well. I mean, you can imagine a full pre-season, getting to know the lads and getting to know this team and getting to know the way and Watson wants him to play. I think you'll see a different Joey Luce if he, if he stays. Next season, which he, there's there's a lot of reports that he is staying. I read a report in the League Express on Monday that it looks like he might be staying. So once that's finalised, I think that'll be great news and a great boost for the club. Yeah, Ben Nakambuai next, Paul. Uh, started really, really well, I thought. <coughs> you know, full of power, full of, uh, you know, strength as well. Kind of early on in the season, definitely carried that forward pack forward uh, and made, you know, some good inroads in uh, 2018. Yeah, he has done, yeah. He's disappointed. He had a couple of little niggly injuries, hasn't he, as well? He got injured at Halifax the other week. But he's back in the squad this weekend, which is uh, which is good to see. He's a, he's a nice lad off the field as well, Ben, isn't he? Very, very quiet, you know, for the size of him. He's, uh, he's always got a smile on his face, hasn't he? And uh, he's a bit of a gentleman on the quiet. I like Ben. I've got a lot of time for him. And, uh, and it's good to see a young lad doing really well, because let's not forget, he's only well, he's 21. Mm. He's only really young, isn't he? So... Uh, so yeah, I think we've got the the makings of a, of a good player there, very powerful player as well. You know, tall, he's got a good reach on him as well. He scored a good try against, I think it was the Halifax game where he scored, wasn't it, recently? So uh, was it Halifax or was it Witness? It's one of those games, Halifax, wasn't it? Was. Halifax, yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, I've been impressed with him when I've seen him this season. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Jack Littlejohn. Um, started the season quite slow, but got better as the season went on until he got injured at Warrington. Uh, you know, he's had some good moments, slipped in at fullback when Neville's was injured. Uh, sort of sacrificed himself for the team, but found a bit of confidence in that in that period. Um, but yeah, I think he's a you know a nomination in this uh, best newcomer award is, is justified. Yeah, I still think we're going to see him this season. I believe he's in the squad for for London on uh, on Saturday, and he could be in the side on Saturday with uh, Josh Woods injured. I think so. I think Jack Little John will be back in the side, so it'll be good to see because it's, it seems a long time ago now since that Warrington game when he got injured, and I was. Uh, I felt sorry for Jack Littlejohn. I, th- I thought he was getting a lot of stick in the, in the games. And, you know, sometimes it's rightly so. Supporters paid the money and things like that. I've never been one for getting on players' backs, though, really. Perhaps I'm a bit too soft. But, uh, but no, I felt sorry for him. And I don't know, I'm one of them people, me. When I see a player like that struggling, I really want him to do well and, and prove people wrong. And it really made me smile when, when Jack had that good game against Warrington and he got a couple of tries. And then, unfortunately, he, he went and got injured. So, I'd love nothing more than Jack to come back and play in these last two games and, and do really well because uh, he's another one who seems a good kid and he, he's worked hard over here. I, th- I think you can say, oh, he's, he's, his form was a bit indifferent at the start of the season. But once he moved to fullback, he looked really good. So, um, so yeah, don't forget, he's come over, you know, short notice, really, didn't he? And, uh, you know, playing playing over here in, in England, it was a, it's a big change for him. So, uh, so yeah, I, I I I think he's he's up there for that. But he, like I said, missed quite a bit of the season, hasn't he? So 
it might be difficult for him to win the award but let's not write him off yet like I said there's two games left and hopefully he can have two Stormers yeah uh, let's talk about Stormers we've got Jackson Hastings uh, Paul the man who's come in on the uh, the Super 8 qualifiers for us and, and kind of turned the club around um, going into the community doing his bit advertising the games on and with videos and obviously playing unbelievable on the pitch too yeah, he has his turn the, the club, club club round on and off the field. I think the Jackson, you can't really ask much more of. I thought, <coughs> excuse me, it was disappointing him getting sent off the other week. That was a bit of a, a sour note and something that I think he learned from because he can't go around doing daft things like that in games. So I think that will have hurt him and he'll be looking to uh, to play again against against Toulouse if he can get back in the team. I'm sure sure he will do. So. Uh, so yeah, but he has. He's been good on off the field. His performances have been uh, have been have been good, and he's helped Robert Louis, hasn't he? He took that pressure off Robert, and uh, what he's done off the field, like he said, with the with the junior teams and stuff that he's done with the media, with the club, I think he's conducted himself really well. Yeah. Uh, next one, Devil Olfert, Paul uh, started off the season kind of a bit slow, didn't really get in the side, but took his chance when he came in. Scored a hatch against Halifax and playing some good rugby. Yeah, and no, we've said it numerous times this season that we about Dorelli's, um Stepped up from from League One as did Chris Bryan last season, and it's a big it's a big leap, isn't it? Really, you know. Um, you ask any Swinton supporter, they came up from from League One, didn't they, and uh, into the Championship a couple of years ago, and Bradshaw Lawrence have done the same thing. And you ask their fans, and they'll tell you it's a big step up, you know, from the League One to Championship, but to go from League One to Super League, it's a heck of a leap, isn't it? Really, and uh, you know, I think Darrell's got better as the season's gone on. He's got more confident uh, going forward. Now he's he makes a lot of yards coming out of yardage as, as, as Ian Watson says that's a new phrase he keeps saying that yardage <laughs> I think it means when you're taking the ball up from your own line yeah. but uh, I tell you he said, he said one the other week to me and I forgot to tell you um, quality of the cattle Ian what said does that mean? quality of the cattle as in C-A-T-T-L-E cattle is that he's talking about his pack? yeah I think so yeah like his squad yeah it's yeah. the quality of the cattle it made me giggle when he said it actually because I've never heard that one before you do the nodding, nodding, nodding thing. Like, remember when he was talking to us about sliding defences in the, was that Wakefield? And he was like, going, you've got to position, position your body in this direction. Oh, he's moving up and down the corridors, yeah. right? He's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just looking at him going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what he's talking about. He's a very clever, very clever man. You just stand there in awe of him, don't you? Uh, you do. you listening, do. but... But yeah, yeah, Darrell, yeah, I think, as I said, coming up from um, from League One, it's a big leap, and he has, he's, he's done, he's done really well, and very pleased for him as well. He's he's another quiet lad who uh, who just tends to get on with things, and uh, and yeah, he'll be another one. He gets this season out of the way, another full pre-season training full time, because don't forget he wasn't full time when he was in in League One, so full time athlete now another sort of close season behind him. I think he'll come back stronger next season. Yeah, uh, and then finally we have got Greg Burke. Uh, comes in from his from his, uh, his from witness uh, and you know been consistent been sort of the the workhorse in, in the pack for me since his arrival um, yes yeah, definitely worth a nomination in the newcomer award chipped him with a few tries as well I managed yeah. he scored two or three tries now as well so um, yeah he's looked useful he's looked really useful he's got a good pair of feet good pair of hands as well he's played at loose forward a couple of times and I think I've lost count of the amount of times I've said this we've got a really good deal there getting Greg Burke and no disrespect to Wella Haraki but getting Greg Burke and Ed Chamberlain and two younger players in the in the sort of lower end of the twenties, I think um it was a good it was a good deal for the club and both of them are going to be staying next season and and you just can't understand why Witness wanted to sell them because they both look look good in the games I've seen them in and 
you know, Greg's, I think he, what's this, the week since he's come in, his fitness has got better, he's lost about five kilos in weight, he looks sharp, and um, yeah, he looks hungry, a hungry player, so he's another one that's really impressed me. Yeah, so lots of nominations in there, we've got Ed Chamberlain, Joey Lusick, Ben Neckenberg-Wise, Jack Littlejohn, Jackson Hastings, Daryl Alferts and Greg Burke. The, the, our final award uh, is the Devon Retail Player of the Year for 2018, Paul. There's some, some players in here that are putting some fantastic performances throughout the season and uh, hopefully they'll get the recognition they deserve. Who won it last season with Ben Murdoch Masilla? Ben Murdoch Masilla and he left. Um, right. Scott Taylor won the year before and he left. Um, so there's, there's something to think about when you're putting your nomination in. Who you want to give it to then, someone <laughs> who we don't want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it's one of them. I think I think Craig Cotjack won it, but he's the only one that stayed. Right. So that's, that's, that was the first year, I think. Or was it, was it the second year? I know, I think he's... We didn't give him a trophy because we didn't have one at that point. So, that's something to think about. Wasn't it Scott Taylor, Craig Cotjack, and then Ben Murdoch Masilla last year? Yeah. I think yeah. Coppy went it in 2016. Yeah. I thought yeah. so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, something to think about when, you, when, you, when you're thinking about awarding your, your nomination. Um, we'll start with Rob Lewis. Um, been great this season. Obviously, carried a lot of lot of uh, you know pressure on him on his shoulders. Obviously, you know with the way the team was set up, and uh, you know he's come up with a big plays in the big moments. All Kiara away in a section try, uh, which turns the game in our favour. But obviously, week in week out, he does he does magical things on it uh, and creates tries and creates opportunities for us. He'll take some stopping him, Rob. Mm. He'll take some stopping to get that player of the, the, the year award. Just, I'm saying that just because of the three word match reports we get every week. Um, when you listen to those, he, he could win it every week. And even at the, the games, if you went through all the matches we played at the AJ Bell this season, I bet you he's he's won half a dozen man of the match awards, probably more. Um, he's so consistent. He's dangerous every time he's got the ball. Defenders don't know what he's going to do. He's What's the word I'm looking for? He is. He's like he, he, he's magic, isn't he? He is. He really is really good. I mean, you know, think back a few years ago, we had we had Rangi Chase, and we never really saw the best of him, did we? And I think with Robert Louis, you've got similar sort of player to Chase, a player where he'll drop his shoulder and he'll do the exciting things, won't he? But also his defence is really good. His kicking game is really good. He's everything about him. Every, every, everything about his play is good. He plays with a smile on his face. Well, I, I really like Robert Lewis. I think he's been an excellent signing. I know he struggled with injuries and, and that a couple of seasons ago. But when we've had a, a fit Robert Lewis, I think he's a really, really good player. And like I said there, I think he'll take some stopping for, for, for player of the year. I think he'll get plenty of votes. Yeah, uh, we've got nine levels, Paul. Uh, you know, full-back, you know, fantastic on the high ball, you know, chips in with tries, solid in defence, you know, all round good egg. Yeah, he is. He's Mr. Consistency for me, Nia Levels. He's, uh, he's a player that you'd have on your team sheet probably first every week for me. And I think he'd walk into any side in the Super League. I don't care what anybody says. You can you can talk about Zach Hardig, Sam Tompkins, Jamie Shaw, Jane, uh, Johnny Lomax is probably the, the standout player, isn't he, at the moment? But I think Nia Levels is a close sort of second behind him for, for me anyway. I think he's consistent. He, he's under the eyeball. He, he's Tackling, you know, defensive-wise, the way he links with the line, his pace, his finishing. He's an all-round quality player, really is a quality player. And those sort of players are few and far between, aren't they? Um, but he's a really, really good player, Niall. And uh, unfortunately, this season, he got that injury, he broke his leg. But since he's come back, he's looked sharper than ever. And uh, you know, last week at Leeds, I thought he had a bit of an off game, but um, I'm sure he'll be back and uh, 
I bet you a fiver he scores at London on Sunday. Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. Is that going towards the brick, that, Paul, that fiver, if you win? No, I'll go towards the Nando's. <laughs> um, don't forget England, England Knights International as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. That surely goes, goes in his favour. Uh, and another good, in. another good guy as well. When you speak to him off the field, he's very, very down to earth. I, I, I know his dad quite well. I do see his dad at a lot of the away games. His dad's a really nice guy, and um, you know he tell he's told me a few times about well, a couple of years ago when I first met him. He was telling me about how, how Niall is off the field, and yeah, I think he was a single bloke at the time. Then and still living at home with his mum and dad. I'm not sure whether he's now, but. He told me about like he was in bed early and he was living and breathing the sport. And I think that in in days like this now, I think that's great to hear because you hear a lot of things in rugby league, don't you, about players going out boozing and, and this, that, and the other. And not that I want to talk bad about players, but there was a bit of a, I think a few years ago where players were getting in trouble for things, weren't they? Misdemeanors, weren't they? Outside the sport, but Niall seems one of those guys who's a really clean living guy. He never hear any trouble for him. Comes in, gets on with it. And, um, and lives the life and I think you know you've got to admire somebody like that yeah and our next nomination Junior South uh, Paul fans favourite uh, try scorer um, always passionate um, you know great player reminds me of Fatasini Junior yeah. South like a modern day sort of block busting I'll run through you sort of guy isn't he and um, he seems to get injured every week doesn't he I'll bang his head I'll bang his arm and, and He's always in the wars, isn't he? But he gets up and, and carries on with it. And he was ever present till last week. He missed his first game last week against uh, against Leeds. That's his first miss of the season. That was through through a knock and through an injury. So, so yeah, you know what you're going to get with Junior. Wholehearted uh, commitment. Um, probably looking at him, he does get a bit of stick sometimes. I know Joe Burns was giving a bit of stick the other week, wasn't he? About he never passes and things like that. Yeah, and I think he's probably not the most technical centre you'll ever see. And I can think of centres we've had at the club in the past who were probably better technically than him but as a wholehearted sort of player and don't forget his, his try record is pretty good you look at his try ratio since he signed for Salford and I bet he scored try every other game maybe maybe more so so yeah he's always going to be up there and, and like you said the fans absolutely love him don't they yeah nice bloke off the pitch as well dead quiet you know like to chat when you when you grab him and you know he, he's definitely going to be in there uh, in the shake up for the the player of the year for 2018. We've got Craig Copjack, um, our previous winner. Um, you know, has had a bit of a disrupted season, but still shows class when he's on the field. He has. He's had a bit of an in-and-out season for me. He's, he's not been as, as consistent. I mean, last year, I think, or the year before, we were describing him as the, as the cornerstone of the pack. And I don't think he has been this season. He's, he's been out. He's, he's lost a bit of form. He's... He's not been the first sort of prop on the team sheet, as he's he's been rotated a bit and lost his place a few times. And I think that's credit to to the younger guys, the, the guys like Daniel Murray when they've come in, um, the, and Ryan Lannan, they've done a good job, haven't they, and, and kept guys out of the side. Um, so so yeah, but Copy's been good when he's played. Robbie, he, he's another one that's hundred percent, isn't he, every week? So uh, so yeah, I, I just hope he's 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 there for the, for next season because he's another good player. Yeah, I always talk to us after the game when we grab him for an interview. Yeah, he does. Do you know what? All the players are sound. Rob. I think yeah. I don't think we've got anybody at the club who who, I would, who wouldn't want to speak to. I think they're all great. They're all really down to earth. And you've just said there about three or four of them. Is a, I think we both have, haven't we? He's a quiet lad, and and they are. They're not loud mouths, are they? A lot of them. He's the odd one that's. I can't really. No, I think I think they're all pretty sound. We've got any sort of big egos, have we? I mean, I know Jackson Hastings is a very confident bloke, but the rest of them, you know. Sort of a really sort of quiet bunch, aren't they? And uh, you know, really hard workers. 
Yeah. Uh, next one we've got Josh Jones. Uh, Paul, you know, he's, he's very, very good, um, both in the centre and in the second row. Um, always goes forward, never takes a backward step. Um, yeah, I think he's in the he's in the running for that player of the year. Do you know what? Every side, every sort of side over the years has had a player like Josh Jones, haven't they? A player that sort of goes under the radar, really. A bit of an unsung hero, aren't they? And, you know, I was talking to somebody the other week about Alan Grice, and they were saying that like how, how well Alan played in that great side of the 70s. You never used to notice him. He'd just do all the dirty work, you know, all the tackling and sort of charging the ball up. And a bit like sort of a Mike Coombe sort of player. And I think Josh Jones is like that. You don't always remember what he's done on the field because he's done that much. You know, he's pinging players off. He's doing his tackling and that. And how often does he beat the first man? It'll take about three or four blokes to put him down, won't it? So I don't think he does all the flash stuff, does it? Like charging through 80 yards to score or or doing a miracle pass, but he'll, what he'll give you is he'll be consistent every week and, and do that stuff that, that needs to be done, that work that needs to be done. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think Josh Jones is a really useful player. Yeah. He's like, he's like an 8 out of 10, isn't he? Every week, yeah. Every week. Yeah, consistent. Because I think teams, they need players like Josh Jones. Good teams have, have players like Josh Jones in the team because it raises the team, I think, having him in it. So well, he's, he's played at a good level as well. Don't forget, he played in a very, very good St. Helens side, didn't yeah. he? And when he came back from Rugby Union, I think there was a lot of teams after him and I think it was a real coup for us to, to sign him, wasn't it, when he came back? Yeah, definitely. So, certainly a, a contender. Uh, talk about unsung heroes, Paul. I've got another one here. Tyrone McCarthy uh, works hard, plays in multiple positions for, for, the, for the team and has a nice bloke off the field as well. He's another quiet lad. <laughs> another sort of... Uh, no wears and graces about him, but he always has a smile on his face. Yeah, Tyrone, I, I like him. I think there's any criticism with him. He's not. I don't think he's sort of the biggest sort of bloke, is he? But he plays above his weight. Yeah. And um, he works hard every week. Does does all the dirty. Does all the tackling. And uh, I think he copped uh, he copped two really high shots for me against Leeds on uh, on Friday night. One, the first one, Brett Ferris got Simbin, and then the second one, Brad Singleton clocked him around in about a minute later, and I thought that was worse actually than the Brett Ferris one, but. Never shirks it and gets up and gets on with it. And uh, I like that. I've got a lot of time for Tyrone. I think he's been a good signing. Yeah, I think uh, looking, remembering back in the season where was it Rob Louis got sent off or went off injured? I think he went off injured and he put, in, put Tyrone McCarthy at standoff and he played like Andrew Johns for about 20 minutes. I think, he's, I think he's a very intellectual player, I think, on the field. I think that as well as his hard work you know, benefits the team. Yeah, he is. He's, a, he's got a good brain on him, hasn't he? And I remember him. Um, he had a really good game in the, the semi-final last year. He played. Uh, we played Wigan in, the, in Warrington. I thought he played really well. Did he scored that game. I uh, yeah, well, I think Junior South claimed it. But, but, yeah, uh, but he was really dangerous, game. wasn't he? He had a, he had a wild of a game that day. So, uh, so yeah, I think we. He's another guy that came in, didn't he? And uh, has done really well for us. So, uh, so yeah, very useful player to have in the team. Yeah, and then finally we've got Lee Mossop. Uh, Paul, you know, a big, big forward for us, always goes forward, um, kind of the leader of the pack for me, um, definitely a nomination for the player of the year. Yeah, struggle with injuries a, a bit this season, hasn't he, Lee Mossop? It's, um, I know he's had injury problems elsewhere, where he's been at Wigan, he's had shoulder shoulder problems and bits and bobs like that, but when he's played, he's, uh, he's a big, nasty forward, isn't he, Lee Mossop? Every team sort of needs somebody like that, and um, he has, he's, he's led us... Uh, Led us from the front, and he's another guy that's probably kept copy out of the side a few times, hasn't he? And he's been uh, probably the goal to to prop and the, the the first choice. 
but yeah, if he can just get over those those niggly injury problems, I think he's a, he's another one that's uh, that's going to be around for a while. But yeah, I think he's he's definitely worth the nomination. Yeah, so that, as I say, the nominations for the Player of the Year award is Rob Lewitt, Nia Levels, Junior South, Craig Copjack, Josh Jones, Tyrone McCarthy, and Lee Mossett. So I'm going to put the uh, going to put the the voting um, survey up uh, tonight, maybe tomorrow morning, and we'll run it. What do you reckon, Paul? When do we run it to? Kind of Wednesday, maybe? Give us an idea who's going to win it. So we can give him the trophy on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, fine, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. That sounds like a plan to you. Yeah, so get your, get your voting fingers on and uh, may, the best, uh, may the best man win. So that was our uh, little look at our Player of the Year awards. And next up on The Devil of Detail, we've got Paul Whiteside's Amateur Report where he looks at our pictures and results for our local sides. Right, well, here is this week's Devil in the Detail Amateur Report. We'll start off with the National Conference Leagues. We've got some results from Division 3. Oldham St. Anne's 8, Beverly 44. Millham 66, Salford City Roosters 0. And Waterhead Warriors 10, Wollstone Rovers 42. There's just one game left now for Salford City Roosters. They play Gateshead Storm away on Saturday, the 22nd of September. The Oldham St. Anne's and Waterhead Warriors have, have both finished their seasons now. Salford City Roosters can't finish any lower and can't finish any higher than their second bottom place in the table. So good luck to the Roosters this coming weekend. There's a few... Promotion games, not involving our local sides, but I'll read them out to you. In the Premier Division, the first qualifying semi-final is Hunslet Club Parkside against West Hull. That's this Saturday. Egremont Rangers play Underbank Rangers in the elimination semi-final for the Premier Division. Division 1 promotion playoff semi-finals, it's Lee Minor Rangers versus Featherstone Lions and Pookington Rex versus Milford Marlins. And in Division 3, the promotion semi-finals are Clockface Miners against Wollstone Rovers and Millen against Eastmore Dragons. There wasn't much action in the North West Men's League. There was one game on Wednesday night last week that was in Division 2 Oldham St Anne's A22 Wigan St Cuthbert's 14 the results from this gone weekend were Oldham St Anne's A48 Ulverston 6 in Division 2 and also in Division 2 Berry Broncos were beaten at home 34-24 by the Charlie Panthers in Division 4 Saddleworth Rangers A20 Wigan Springview 18 in Student Rugby League that gets underway, the college programme, on 26th of September. That's a week on Wednesday. In the Premier Division, Huddersfield Giants Foundation play Hotwood Hall and Furness play the Salford Red Devils Rising Stars. In Division 2, in the North West Division 2, Salford Red Devils Rising Stars A-team play against Carmel. So good luck to our local sides involved in the next coming weeks in the College Rugby League and in the North West Men's League. And good luck to Salford City Roosters this coming Saturday. Right, we're turning our attentions to the North West Youth League in the under-18s Premier Division on Sunday. Waterhead beat Thato Heath by 36 points to 6. In the under-18s, under-16, sorry, Division 1, it was Blackbrook nil, Oldham St. Anne's 34. In Division 2, Saddleworth Rangers beat Wigan St. Patrick's by 18 points to 16. That was also in the under-16s. Well, a bit of amateur news now for you. The 2018 Barla County Championship Tri-Series campaign, which will again involve Cumbria, Lancashire and Yorkshire at open age, under-19s and under-17s, gets underway at Dewsbury Moor on Sunday, the 23rd of September. The grand launch will involve Yorkshire at home to Cumbria at under-17s. Cumbria hosts Lancashire seven days later at Egremont. And the series reaches a climax on Sunday, the 7th of October, when Lancashire, the reigning champions, take on Yorkshire at Crossfields. The open age and under-19s competitions will be staged as double-headers. Yorkshire, who are currently 
current title holders at both levels entertain Cumbria on Saturday the 3rd of November. That's at York Acorn. Lancashire travel to Millen for the clash with Cumbria on Saturday the 10th of November and the last match between Lancashire and Yorkshire takes place on Sunday the 18th of November at Lee Minor Rangers ground. This Sunday's game at Dewsbury Moor kicks off at 1.30. The admission is £3. It's £1 for under-16s. Entry to open age and under-19s double-headers is £5 and £3 for under-16s. That's all across the board. So enjoy that if you can get to that this coming weekend. Also in the news, England Lions youth coach Alan Coleman has confirmed his squad for the forthcoming Home Nations under-19s games with Scotland and Wales. One of our local lads is in that side, that's Brandon Wood of Rochdale Mayfield. So congratulations to Brandon and best of luck playing for your country in the under-19s. England will play Scotland on the Saturday the 29th of September at the University of Edinburgh and entertain Wales on Friday the 12th of October at the Etihad Arena in Manchester. So good luck to all the lads in the under-19s. Well, before I go, I'll just give you the results from the weekend just gone in the qualifiers. It was Hull Kingston Rovers 30, London Broncos 18, Leeds Rhinos 18, Salford Red Devils 16, Toronto Wolfpack edged Toulouse Olympic by 13 points to 12 and Witness beat Halifax by 26 points to 12. So what does that mean this weekend? Salford's game against London Broncos is not Sunday the 23rd as it says in the paper it's been moved to the 22nd of September which I'm sure you'll all know about now and are very annoyed and miffed about that but that kicks off at 3 o'clock this Saturday. The rest of the qualifiers... Um, we're also on Saturday we've got Toronto Wolfpack against Widnes Vikings and Toulouse Olympic against Hull Kingston Rovers the other game between Halifax and Leeds takes place on Sunday so best of luck to all the, the supporters going down to London safe travels I know you've been mucked about having to go down there on a Saturday I hope some of you can get your money back and, and whatever it's a bit of a nightmare that but I shall see you down there on Saturday in London for London Broncos against Salford take care So that was Paul's amateur report. Next up, we're going to be talking about the London game on Saturday. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Live radio contact. It's time on the double of the So, Salford Devils travel to London on Saturday for the rearrange game in the Super 8 qualifiers. Paul, big game for Salford Red Devils because a win here secures our Super League survival for 2018. Yeah, it is a big game. Yeah, it's a, it's a ground I've never been to. We've not played London at the Trailfinders Stadium, have we yet? So, uh, be a new new ground to go to. I think it's a potential banana skin, Rob, from, from what I've seen of London. They're a dangerous side. They can score points. They've had a few good wins in the qualifiers. They've had a few close defeats as well. So uh, they're going to be fancying themselves. They've got four points. So they're desperate for these two points, aren't they? Because a defeat for them, really. It's not. I wouldn't say it was the end of it, but they, it's going to be, they're going to have to rely on other scores, I think, then, aren't they? So, uh, and win the last game. So they're going to be going out all guns blazing to turn us over. And we're, we're playing without Jackson Hastings again. We're going to have to... Um, up with um, another conundrum at halfback with Josh Wood likely to be out. So as I said before, Jack Little John possibly coming in there at scrum half. Yeah, Jack Little John back in the frame. Uh, Paul, big game for him to come back into. Um, remember uh, Todd Carney coming back in against Warrington and won the won the game for us last season. You know, could it could it happen again? Could lightning strike twice and Jack Little John 
wins us the game and keeps us in Super League. No, no reason why he couldn't. No disrespect to London, but I don't think that's the side that Warrington are, are they? So, uh, but they've got some dangerous players themselves. You know, Jared Samet, who'll be playing for London, and he's he's a quality player to watch. And it's some of the stuff that he does. He's he's magic to watch. They've also got quite a bit of pace out wide. Some some useful uh, guys in the pack as well. Some big forwards. So they know where the try line is. Well, they scored a lot of points this season. And when they played Leeds at home in the qualifiers, I think they got about thirty odd points, twenty odd points in that game. So. They're going to be dangerous, and they're going to uh, they're going to put us under pressure. It's up to us to, to have that grit and determination in defence, like we have done in the qualifiers up to now, and, and keep uh, keep London out because we're going to get tested on on Saturday. I think they're going to, you know, Danny Ward's a, a, a very young coach, but a very clever coach who's done a, who's done a good job at London this season with his assistant Jamie Langley. So they're going to be switched on, and they're going to throw the kitchen sink at us on on, on Saturday. I think they're going to come out all guns blazing and and try and uh, dent us early on. Yeah, Ian Watson. Uh, shuffled his pack a bit. He's brought back Ben Nakambuai, Gavin Benyon and Luke Burgess. Three big forwards there. Uh, looking for a... Obviously, it's going to be a battle up top and he wants his big forwards there to help him out. Yeah, definitely. It'd be nice to see Gavin Benyon in the team because, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he's not had a lot of game time this season. He's another good good young forward, another good lad as well with a very good attitude. And uh, been impressed with him when I've seen him. But obviously, he's not had as much game time as he would have liked to have been. So I'd like to see him get some... Uh, I know he's played a lot on loan this season. And from what I've heard from you know the likes of Andy Maisie when we spoke to him, the Swinton chairman, he's, he's told us a lot of good things about him. He's been a man in demand, hasn't he, by Rochdale and Swinton. They've both been after him on loan this season. So it'd be nice to see him play in the last two games. And... Uh, I'll state the case for his uh, new contract next season. So, and Ben Nakabuai, good to see Ben back in the team, and also Luke Burgess, who's, who's a quality player. He's, he's got bags of experience. Also, uh, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough game though, Rob. And uh, I'm not taking London lightly, not so not at all. Yeah, it's going to be a, a tough game. Who, who stands out for you for the uh, the London Broncos on uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I said before, Jared Samet. I think he's he's box office, isn't he? He's quality to watch wherever he's been. Uh, you know, he's been at Bradford, Workington, amongst other teams, and always scored points. His try record's absolutely phenomenal. I think it's like a try, try a game. I think since he's been over here or something like that. He's a good goal kicker as well. So he, they're going to be looking at th- things coming off him, aren't they? And as I said, they've got some pace out wide. Elliot Keir, I think, plays there. William Reese Williams, and uh, I can't remember the other winger's name. But uh, no, they've got some. They've got some quality, some pace in the in the backs. I watched the the, the game they played against Witness, and they impressed me as well. You know, the, the pace that they had in the side. They've got some tough forwards, and um, and yeah, they're going to be hard to beat on their own ground. They've got a good home record, so um, they're, they're going to cause us problems definitely. Yeah, got a couple of ex Reds in there. I know is it Matty G. Matty G. Yeah, Matty G's there. Yeah. And is it Davis? No, maybe not. Davis, Davis, oh, no. no. X Red, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking through the list, but no, I know G's jumping out of me. Matty G, yeah, Matty G. I don't yeah. know who the other one is. Good math. Obviously, we should be doing research like this before we start talking about it anyway. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's going to be, I'd say he, was, he didn't really get a chance at it at Salford. I'm sure he'll want to put one up on us. That's right, that's right. They've got Pelissier as well, haven't they? Hmm. Who, was at, um, who was at Lee, the, the hooker, so. Uh, yeah, they, like I said before, when I saw them against Witness, they, they really impressed me. And um, we were saying before they were unlucky at OKR last week. I listened to that on the radio, and they could have won that game. And not many teams go there and, and, and upset them. So they, they've got the potential to, to to cause us problems. And you know how many games have we lost like this over the years? So we need to make sure we go there and, and do the business job because of defeat. Don't want to sound depressing, but if we're to lose this game. Then you just sort of get dragged back into the mix a bit, don't you? Then and, uh, 
you know, it becomes you know a must-win game against Toulouse then because if we lose that game as well, I don't know what had happened then. I've not done the maths, so you don't want to think about that, do you? I've not, I've not even thought about million-pound games and things like that. Let's just just win these games now and not even get into that conversation. Give us a score prediction for the game on uh, that day. Mm, oh, I took Millie to get upstairs when I had to nip down to charge my iPad so that's what that noise was before it was me creaking downstairs um, what did I write down now I think I went 28-12 I think to Salford 28-12 of that 28-12 I'm going to go London Broncos 10 Salford Devils 36 36-10 and Jack Little John to score twice be a big win, that a big statement, that wouldn't it? That's what you want. That's what they want. And we want to confirm our Super League to survive 2018 style, scoring good points. Um, and yeah, we'd be happy with that. Yeah, I'd settle for a one-point win. To be honest with you, Robert, any winner do really. And then uh, obviously we've got the Toulouse game on, on Thursday, but any sort of win just 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 gets us safe, and then uh, his job done then. So big thanks for tuning to this week's uh, Devil in the Detail podcast. A great show, Paul. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, safe journey to everybody going down to London on uh, on, on whenever you go in Friday, Saturday, or or whenever, and uh, enjoy the match. And let's hope we get the uh, the two points. Yeah, uh, another great show, Paul. Really enjoyed it today. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it, mate. And uh, looking forward to uh, to travelling down to London. And uh, I'm going on my own as well. On uh, my dad's uh, away, so I'm going on my own on uh, on Saturday. Oh, so uh, a little bit in. Billy, Billy, no mates. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, Paul, I had I had a feeling it was it was weirdly enough. I thought it was Saturday anyway. And I remember speaking to you on 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 um, Friday, and I was like, "Oh, you said what? What are you doing Sunday now?" And I was doing I was like, "Sunday? So that's just Saturday." And I know they playing playing Sunday. And I was like, "Are they?" So I thought it was Saturday, and I just wrote yeah. off. Saturday I think a few people Friday. did that. A friend of my dad said yeah. to us the other week, he thought it was Saturday. Oh, I thought he was going to get moved. And I think there was rumours it was going to get moved. Wasn't there for ages? So that's why I hung about really before I, I made any plans because I was just going to drive down on the Sunday morning, you know, go really early because I was going on my own. Mm. Um, and I've got it. Then I thought, oh, I can't be bothered driving. I'll get a train ticket. And then I thought, well, I'll hang on because I didn't really know what the score was. So I waited. I got a train ticket the other night. So. Um, I'm tra- travelling down to Euston and I, I, I spoke to somebody at London today and I was asking, oh, how do you get to to Euston, uh, to, to Ealing where the, the game is? And he said, I think he said it's about an hour on the public transport. I think you've got to get two tubes and then a uh, bus. So it uh, should be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Safe journey to all the Reds who can get down there uh, to support the Reds and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll come away with a win and uh, secure our Super League survival. So, that's the end of this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I've been Rob Parkinson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter, at DITV SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Radio Contact. So, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Live radio contact.